proper detoxification, nutrient deficiencies, genetic mutations. These are all things that are highly impactful on mental health. Hello and welcome to Self Talk. I'm Rachel Astarte. Today, my guest is Dr. Roseanne Kapana Hodge. She is a mental health trailblazer, founder of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health, and Dr. Rosanna Kapana Hodge LLC, which is devoted to changing the way we view and treat children's mental health. Wow, we need to talk about this. So, thank you for being here. I I'm really so excited it. for this conversation. Yeah. So. Just to give us a little background, how did you get into this field? Yeah, so um, actually, it truly was my calling. And I, when I was five years old, I have a very vivid memory, Rachel. And so when I was five years old, my mom's friend, Angela, asked me what I wanted to be. And what came out of my mouth was I wanted to be a psychiatrist. Wow. And I, <laughs> I had no exposure to mm. a psychiatrist. And uh, what, you know, what it was, or even my family was uh, entrepreneurs, immigrants from Italy. So, you know, there was no exposure to even mental health at that point in the 70s. And so that's why I always say it was my calling when, as time went on, I realized that psychiatrists are really sort of only do medications. And that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to help people through guidance, um, the talk process and different types of psychotherapy without medications. I've Mm -hmm. always only been holistic. And then in this 30 years, right? So this is my 30th year of mental health. I've worked in a lot of capacities, psychiatric hospitals, schools, with addicts, with kids, with adults, you name it. And I really, really specialize in working with kids, teens, and young adults and their families. That's really where my heart is. Uh, Mental health is really at a crisis Mm. pre-pandemic, certainly during the pandemic, and people are out of hope and belief. And I really specialize in showing families that, wow, there's so many evidence-based approaches to reducing and reversing mental health symptoms. And that's my mission. That's what I'm doing. That's why I'm on TV all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, My media has reached well over 2 billion people. um, And I have books, I have all these things, and I just want people to know it's going to be okay, which is the title of my book, because we need hope. Yeah. And we're going to talk more about your book in a minute. Yeah. And you touched on some beautiful uh, topics that we were also going to talk about because they're so important. Um, Why are kids so unfocused and unmotivated right now? Yeah. uh, You know, right now, I don't think there's a kid or an adult who isn't feeling the effects of how many months are we in this pandemic? And right, well over a year. So the isolation, all of these Zoom meetings, Mm -hmm. um, all of this sitting, all of this disjointed education in and out, hybrid, in person. Maybe I have friends whose kids have never been back to school yet Mm -hmm. in California and they're going back next month. So this lack of structure, lack of routine, parents at a level of stress, 70% of parents, according to the APA Stress in America survey, are experiencing significant stress due to pandemic parenting. No surprise. Um, 
Yeah. Um, and so everybody is really feeling incredibly unfocused, really struggling with motivation, especially for kids and teens and college kids, college kids, we're not really talking about these college kids, but our teens and young adults in terms of anxiety and depression are really being hit right now. Mm -hmm. So anxiety and depression, these clinical issues impact your focus in the same way that clinical ADHD is. We're seeing such a rise in that, but Mm -hmm. it's really just the long-term impact of, you know, isolation, disjointed education and stress that is really impacting people's attention and motivation. Yeah. You touched on something that I, I would love to just tease apart a little bit when we think about um, the like Erickson's life cycle stages, right? There's a difference between an eight-year-old and a 16-year-old because teenagers need to be around other teenagers. It's what they need to differentiate. They need to have autonomy. Mm -hmm. And this is their developmental period for them to try that hat hat on mm-hmm. with guidance and love from the people around them, including teachers mm-hmm. um, and parents. And they're just not getting that. It's the first time that they, you know, like they can do things on their own and they're not able to. Yeah, that's a really important point. And, and I want to make it very clear here because I'm, I'm so, I, I like to cover all the bases. When I say teens need to be around other teens, not everybody is the same. I, 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 and it's, I found it very interesting and I don't know if you came across this, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Not even every child is suffering during the pandemic. Some children are thriving in the isolation because they're not distracted. And I'm thinking of my own son who really just blossomed during the pandemic, you know, and, and he's a very social kid. But um, he said, oh, gosh, it's lovely. I don't have think there's not loudness around me and I can focus on what I need to focus on. Do you experience that as well? Yeah. So there is a small subset of kids that in my experience with both of my practice and then just talking to so many, um, you know, groups and, you know, just being all over the place and um, that are actually thriving. Mm-hmm. And some of those reasons are having extra time to sleep in, mm-hmm. right? Um, hot lunches. <laughs> right, right. At home. <laughs> um, being able to control the, the way they're doing their schoolwork, right, right? right? Less distractions and they're not in social drama, right? Mm-hmm. So they're able to be more selective with who they're hanging out with. Correct, yeah. Um, and for sure, there's definitely a group. And my kids that have, I've worked with a lot of kids who have mental health issues due to infectious disease. Mm. Um, so I have kids with PANS and PANDAS where it's a sudden onset of a psychiatric problem due, problem due to um, uh, toxins or infectious disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I work with people who just, you know, have Lyme disease or other chronic celiac, whatever's going on. Wow. They, they're loving life yeah. because there's no pressure for them to go back to school because they can do a hybrid option right. and function well. And, and I think kids that are doing well in that way too, Rachel, they're getting decent uh, virtual education. Mm-hmm. So the delivery of the education is pretty good. It's not a one hour a week, you know, a day Google meet, right? Like right. Quality education. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important too. 
Yeah. And and that's a great point. And so I don't want us to be talking about this blanket statement. I just wanted to have that. There is that little subset. And even learning time management, I think, is also important, too, because um, these are things that you wouldn't learn in a school because it's all done for you. They have to do it. And some so true. And some families are loving this so much. You might be listening and saying, I don't know who they are, but there are some families that are loving this so much. They're actually full on homeschooling their kids, like indefinitely. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so there's, it's opened their eyes to the quality of education that their kids are getting. Maybe the lack of quality of education. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I think people are, you know, I know people that are actually sold their home and went into a a RV and traveling all over the place providing education. And that supplemental education in a real time, that's like unschooling in a way. Unschooling hundred percent. And, you know, unschooling is that you're taking it day by day. There's all different types of homeschoolers. I'm actually, uh, I'm a homeschooler of one of my kids. My other kid goes to, um, uh, a small private school that's very, um, it, it's a democratic process school. So it actually teaches you to think on your own Beautiful. and be independent. Um, and the Hodges, we raise kids who uh, know how to say no. <laughs> nice. um, and they are very autonomous. And uh, so, you know, and I clearly don't believe one size education fits all. I mean, right. you know, we, we have to do that. So yeah. it's pretty Pretty interesting. And some parents are like, I will never homeschool ever again. This is so hard. It is yeah. hard. It is hard. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So so getting back to the kids that are having more trouble being at home and, and need the school. Yeah. What, what would you say is the, the long term effects of the pandemic on these kids? Yeah, I mean, you know, we are seeing research that survey research from both the Uni- um, United States, Asia and Europe. That's all pointing to the same thing. There are long term effects. We're mm-hmm. seeing a definite uptick in clinical anxiety, mm. depression. We're seeing uh, one startling statistic out of the U.S. is showing that when a teen or a young adult has a family member with COVID, they have a 50% chance of moderate to severe depression. Wow. So there's a lot of stress. There's a lot to unpack there around having COVID, you know, maybe physically actually being sick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, fear of it, just total social rejection from people. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you have COVID, people are scared of you for quite right. a bit. Right. Um, so there's a lot of factors there and the long-term fact, you know, impact, right? So we we have to look at other situations, whether it's trauma situations that have affected an entire community. Um, and I was one of the approved providers in Sandy Hook when that happened in that tragedy. And so, you know, there's a lot of information about 9-11, you know, what happened, what mm-hmm. kind of things helped, what, what were the long-term impact. And so we we have some ideas about what are protective factors in mental health and what are risk factors, right? right. So Risk factors, if you're already highly stressed, you already have a clinical issue, and I'm going to tell you one of the biggest risk factors for kids in mental health in general is if you have a parent with a significant mental health issue and they are not taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. So you can have anxiety and depression, and you can be showing your kids your resilience and your grit and your coping skills, okay? Mm -hmm. Nobody is perfect, right? right? But you need to show your kids 
how to manage difficult situations, what are problems to it? This is what kids are missing. So we know more resilient kids have coping skills, right? Mm -hmm. So when we look at this long-term impact, what are protective factors? Well, having coping skills, having problem-solving skills, um, having having autonomy, right? Mm -hmm. So when you parent your kids in an autonomy supportive way, there's actually a style of parenting, which I'm a huge proponent of. And I talk a lot about in my book, it's going to be okay. It's called autonomy supportive parenting. Mm -hmm. And it's a mix of um, authoritative parenting, positive parent, but parenting, but it's really putting bumpers, creating safe spaces, a lot of love, a lot of communication and letting your kid make some failures. Yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, um, you know, uh, Mike, I, I believe in teaching kids how to cook. I think mm-hmm. kids cooking as early as you can get them cooking, like literally my kids were cooking before they could walk. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives them power, it gives them control and a sense of control really builds self-esteem. Mm-hmm. But here's a great example of letting your kid fail. So my younger kid, Giancarlo loves really spicy food. I'm talking spicy food. Okay. okay. And I like spicy food. His taste bud for spice is even stronger than mine at 10 years old. And so they, he like, he was making a soup and, you know, he's putting his jalapeno in there and then, (laughs) and then the red, this pepper, that pepper, this pepper, that pepper. And he was like, I'm going to put red pepper in here too. And I was like, here's the deal, John Carl. Did you taste this? And he was like, no. So I was like, what do you think? What would, if this is too spicy, what could you do? And he was like, I could always add more water. I was like, go for it. Now I thought that thing was way too spicy. He had it and he was like, that was way too spicy. And I was like, that's okay. You figured it out. I didn't yep. tell him that's going to be too spicy. Right. You right. Your mouth. Um, and that's so important. It's those little parenting moments mm-hmm. that get our kids to feel more comfortable in making decisions for themselves because yes. it's, we're training them mm-hmm. and you want your kids to make decisions in big situations, you know, right, when they're right. offered drugs or um, they want to drive over a hundred miles an hour, you know, right. whatever it is, they're going to know and have the internal resources. And it's never too late to work on that, but it becomes a clinical issue when your kid is older. You, you're going to need therapist help. You're going to need things if your kid is like very impulsive making decisions that I call Homer Homer Simpson decisions, yeah. where you're making a decision and you're like, doy, you know. <laughs> So we want to really create that and give them space for failures. Space for failures in our American culture is not acceptable. Exactly right. And I think to normalize that it isn't even failure, it's it's, things didn't go the way that you had planned. And that means you learned. And that, and you know, no one ever, I, I can't think of any brilliant human being who has never made a mistake. Mistakes help us to learn and compound our education in whatever it is we're trying to do. So absolutely. And, and so to normalize that for children is such a beautiful, uh, beautiful idea. Right. Um, so I want to talk just a little bit if, or not, maybe not just a little bit, but let's try. <laughs> this is a big, cause it's a big subject. That's, that's so that touches me very deeply natural therapies for mental health yeah. uh, symptoms. So tell me about how you incorporate those. Cause you, you started out by talking about it and I think yeah, it's really important. So- For 30 years, I have been teaching people about natural therapies, okay? Unfortunately, these are called alternative. Um, These should be called 
as I call them, proven methods to reduce and reverse mental health. My my work and in, in my book, It's Gonna Be Okay, is all about proven ways to reduce and reverse mental health. And what's surprising to people, and I break things down, I talk about the eight pillars of mental health. And yes, this is really a book for parents to help their kids because I feel that our kids are the canary in the coal mine and we have to band together. Like I truly am on a mission to change the way we view and treat children's mental health. And it's so important, but the eight pillars are applicable to anybody of any age. And what are some of these things? So this is surprising to people. You know, they're not getting the message that diet, sleep, proper detoxification, nutrient deficiencies, genetic mutations, These are all things that are highly impactful on mental health. Absolutely. And instead of saying, oh, I have a genetic mutation, MTHFR, that impacts how I utilize the B vitamins. Oh, it's genetics. I'm done. No, I want you to think differently and flip that dialogue. Oh, well, what can I do about it? Well, that's what I do. I teach people this. I lay it out. It's more Um, empowerment. More empowerment. And there's so many things that we can do. I mean, I really emphasize parenting. Um, Not that no, not that you're a bad parent is that we are parenting um, in a way that maybe our kids are not responding to. And, And I'm no different. I have two special needs kids and one kid, you know, is put on this earth to humble me and I have to think on my feet and I have to be very cautious in how I approach him. And he needs a lot of emphasis and practice with coping skills. Mm-hmm. Or my other kid, I call an easy to parent kid. He, mm-hmm. most of the time you tell him one time and he gets it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That just came out that way, people. Okay. <laughs> but he's got a very regulated nervous system. He's usually super happy. He literally like barely walks. He, he, he skips. He's always humming. He's just that way. Mm-hmm. And I also spent a lot of time talking about um, clinical therapies, right? So when you have a clinical issue, there's way more that you can do besides a psychiatric medication. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to kids, about 70% of the time, kids are given a psychiatric medication that is off label, meaning it is not, there's no clinical evidence Mm. to utilize this. So what are alternatives? Well, I am a huge fan of neurofeedback and biofeedback. I work with people in my center, but I also work with people all over the world remotely doing neurofeedback because we have equipment that we can send people. And, you know, what does it do? It regulates the nervous system. And once you're in a a stress state, which is a sympathetic dominant state, when we should be in a parasympathetic state, Mm -hmm. once you're living in that sympathetic dominant state, you are not processing information. You are not processing language the same way. And so when you try to do talk therapy, you literally waste your time when Mm -hmm. you're in a stress hyperactivated state. So we have to, my magic juju is what I whole basis of this work is regulate your nervous system. Yes. I love biofeedback and neurofeedback, but I'm a huge fan of meditation. I'm a huge fan of breath work. I'm a huge fan of yoga. There's a long list of things that are evidence-based. Okay. Now I, I believe if my client says to me, I'm doing this and I'm working with a remote healer and it's helping me, I say, awesome, do it. I, you believe it works. Wonderful. But when it comes to the work that I do, I really focus on evidence-based approaches because I'm pushing up against pharma. 
Mm-hmm. And the belief that people feel about mental health is who's on top of the triangle is a physician when you should be on the top of your triangle and making these choices for yourself. And that's what this is about. So I regulate the nervous system. Then I believe in teaching and coming in with very specific types of psychotherapy. Beautiful. And that has been something that has helped thousands of people that I work with. That's so, um, and people just aren't getting this message and they're finding me when they're broken down and they're in extreme mm-hmm. distress, which is okay. It's always the right time, but I want to change that. Yeah. I want to prevent this from happening. Say more, more preventive work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah beautiful. So I would, I, you know, I could talk about this all day and yeah. we, you know, the mind, body, spirit connection is my jam. And that's what we always talk about. But um, how tell tell us how we can get your book, yeah, and, um, and how to reach you? Yeah, well, you can go to it's gonna g o n n a b o k dot com, and you when you pre order the book, it's all there for you. I have four amazing freemiums for you, including videos and downloads. Um, but you can buy my book. It's going to be okay on Amazon. It's on pre-order right at the time of this, but it will be okay. released May 11th. Okay. Um, and you can find me everywhere on social from TikTok to YouTube to Instagram as Dr. Roseanne, D-R-R-O-S-E-A-N-N, no E at the end. Okay. Um, and I'm going to put all of the links in yeah. the show notes so that people will be able to find them. Um, so that won't be a problem. And of course, uh, you know, when we share this on social media, yeah. they'll be there as well. Um, great. Wow. So much, yeah. you know, I could talk all day, but Absolutely. I just, <laughs> I appreciate you, you coming on self-talk. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. And, you know, I ask everybody, if you know or care about somebody whose child is suffering, you know, tell five friends about this book because th- this book is designed to change people's lives. And uh, I spent so many years helping people who are in such a pain point. And I just want everybody to know there's hope for healing. Beautiful. Thanks so much, Dr. Roseanne. Uh...